Well, I know that those audio recordings are online, so we'll get Michael to um, help us figure out where they are. Um, first of all, thank you for jo- for being with us, joining with us this morning. Thank you for your presence here, your patience. Uh, this is a class that historically I have taught, but Michael and I recently in the last year or so sh- shuffled some of our pastoral duties, and, and I I've got to be involved with the confirmation class this year, so I've been doing that on Sunday mornings, which meant he took uh, primary lead on this kind of uh, inquirer's class or information class. But we wanted to, I, I wanted to be in here a little bit, so we're, we're flip-flopping a little. Um, and the downside of that may be that I'm not exactly sure what you've done and what you haven't done, but um, so if we get to anything that is repeat, just wave me past and and we'll we'll go on from there um i'm i'm clint one of the pastors here you've you know michael um i've been here since some point in 2003 so in the 20-year range my family and i moved up from texas we i grew up in iowa small town iowa down by sioux city my wife's from sioux city went to Northwestern College, took off for seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, ended up in Texas uh, in the Dallas area, north of Dallas, um, in a town called Denton, and then headed back here um, after about eight or nine years there, back up here and kind of been here since. And so um, lots lots of experience, lots of time with the church. And when we go through this, I'm sure Michael has covered all this, we, I, I inherited the name new members class. That That's not the expectation here. This is just an opportunity for folks who have been interacting with us, visiting with us. If they have some questions, if they want to learn a little bit more about who we are and who the Presbyterian Church is, it's just kind of been that sort of forum, that kind of format. So I, I want to start there. If you've been with us, if you've been visiting and uh, there's something that you had a question about. Why do you do this? Why don't you do this? How does this work in, in this church or the Presbyterian church? I, I feel like that's probably the most important thing. So is there anybody that has something that's just been kind of on your mind or that you've wondered about? It's okay if you don't. It's just sometimes, often in this, again, in this part of the world, people are familiar usually with different churches. Very few people are one thing anymore. So uh, many folks have been Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist, whatever. And there are some differences um, depending on what church tradition you've been a part of. There, there are some nuances. There are some differences. I'm a little bit uh, unusual, I suppose. I, there was one church in my hometown that was Presbyterian. So that's all I've ever done, which I has an upside and probably a downside. Um, I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in our Presbyterian family. Uh, so, yeah, if you've run into any questions, certainly throw them out, and we'll do our best to work our way through them. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest obstacle facing the church, um, and I, let, let, um, I don't want to push back on you, but when you say church, can you help me? Do you mean congregation or do you mean? I mean congregation. Okay, um, this congregation specifically. Yeah, 
Presbyterian congregations. Okay. Well, I think I have, I think I would have two different answers. If you ask me in my experience, what's the biggest struggle for Presbyterian churches? I think it's adapting to change. I I think we've been very slow to do that. Um, And there's some good reasons we've been slow, but I think it's hurt us. I think as the world has changed around us, we haven't often kept up with it. And it's left us, it's left us struggling. Um, I don't think that's the whole picture, but I do think that's part of it. In my work with our, our regional body, a sort of a geographical body of churches is called a presbytery. I don't know if Michael's done any of this, but um, our presbytery is essentially Northwest Iowa, and Northwest Iowa is a, it's it's tough. Not just for churches, it's just you know. If uh, how many of you grew up in a small town in the Midwest? Lots of people. For any of you, is your hometown bigger than it was when you lived there? Not many, right? That that's been part of the struggle of this region, and the church has been deeply affected by that. And so there are some of those things that are just beyond the church's control. And yet there are churches that are, you know, still just plugging away. The the upside and the downside, church is one of the few places you kind of go and you still feel like it's the 1950s. And, I mean, and, and for people who are, who, who want that because they don't have that anywhere else, there's no other there's almost no other place in the world you can go and, and feel that sense of nostalgia and that sense of timelessness. And there's some good things about that. But I, I would say the downside is that in situations where some of the things we used to do don't work anymore and we just keep doing them. Um, if, if we turn that lens to this congregation, and I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I think this, that has not been the primary struggle here. I I think, you know, 22 years ago, the congregation built this building. That was a sense of newness. It kind of, it kind of helped with some of those transitions. Everything was in a new place, called a new pastor, started doing things in, in some new ways. We still, I mean, we're not rewriting the books. We still do a version of what we've always done, but we try to be open to what works. Um, you know, I, I think our struggle here is a little different in the Midwest. Um, we still live in one of the few areas of the country, the deep South is certainly one of them, where going to church is not really countercultural. I mean, lots of people go to church. Probably most of our neighbors have, you know, church is still kind of a part of the fabric where we live. And the the upside of that is it's really nice. The downside is sometimes you can go to church without really being church. You know, you can go through the, the motions kind of easily because everyone's sort of doing it, you know, in in places where nobody goes to church and nobody cares if you go to church, going to church is a little, I mean, it's a little more intentional here. I think one of the struggles is um, how do we, how do we transition from church goer to Christ follower? And I don't mean to, you know, make that sound dramatic, but I think we have to realize there's more to it than just going to church. And 
I think that's one of our growing edges. So that long drawn out answer, and I'm sorry, I, I spend a ridiculous amount of time wrestling with those questions, and so I try not to <laughs> have you drink out of a fire hose. But uh, <laughs> anything else? I, does that is that help at all? Does that oh, yeah. it, along the lines of? Okay. Yeah. 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 The, well, we probably don't need to dwell on that. No, uh, we've, the Presbyterian Church has certainly navigated theological struggles. Again, you know, when you exist in a certain era, the issues, the cultural issues of that era really kind of determine what's on your plate. The church often doesn't get to choose what's on its plate. We just have to have to navigate it so yeah um this is kind of more of a personal this church yeah situation we come from a very small presbyterian church um so it's like if you're not in church on sunday people are questioning you know where you were the next Sunday. yeah and yeah it just can be a good thing because it's a family it's yeah absolutely close. yeah how do you think this church um being larger handles like new members and and getting people involved and like, do you have, like, a certain committee that kind of is, like, a welcoming, or? We, yes. Um, we, I, let me, let me divide it, my thoughts into two groups. I would say there's informal, and informal is just we, we try to be conscious. We really try to emphasize it. And this church, in my experience, has had a kind of natural bent toward warmth and and friendliness and I generally don't worry too much that people will show up and not get greeted or not you know but we've also tried to say look when you say when you see someone you don't know on Sundays go because all of us you know you put us in a room what's the first thing we do we start looking around do I know anyone right I mean most of us you you people that might be full-on extroverts that's your idea of you won the lottery a room full of people you don't know the rest of us go do I know anyone here um, and so it's it's natural to be interested in people you know, but we try to be intentional in saying that there are lots of reasons a person wouldn't stay in this church. They might like something else better. They might think a different way. But what we never want to happen is a person to leave saying, I left because it didn't seem like anybody cared if I was there. And, and I'm not saying we bat a thousand on that, but we try to um, make that a priority and we try to encourage that kind of what I would call informal welcome or warmth. Hospitality really is how we talk about it. Then on the other side of the coin, I would say is the intentional stuff. We do have a membership committee. Um, you all will be interacting with them. If, you know, if at the point anybody says, we, we feel like this could be our church home, that group kind of helps um, bring people in in part of this this group is part of that effort. Um, how do you serve in this church? What does this church do? What are the needs here? I love this thing. Is there a place for me to do that here? Um, wh- where are things? When, how do I get information? All of that kind of stuff. And I, I would say we try to handle that a little more formally. Um, we don't have, you know, like a calendar and checklist. Were they here last week? But but in in churches... The thing that is true, and this is probably true in lots of social groups, 
one of the unfortunate things in the church that is is a little bit is large enough for it to happen. I'll just say it that way is that people can we can miss people for a while and by the time we realize we're missing them maybe that you know if we reach out to them sooner we maybe would have made it easier or found out that somebody had an issue or so there's an informal and a formal side to that and um you know but certainly if you've had an experience of well when we visited nobody talked to us i would like i would love to know that stuff because i need to fuss at some people <laughs> I, think, oh. I think it's being from a small church we had the fine line of um you know we were a small church and somebody new came you knew it and so you're like you don't want to pounce on them right you know so you kind yeah. of have to find yeah so i was just wondering how a larger church handles all that our um our our people always talk about what if i what if i introduce myself to someone and they've been a member for 50 years <laughs> And I say, well, just tell them you're glad to meet them. <laughs> or when you introduce, you say, I don't know if we've met yet. You know, I mean, yeah, that that fear. There's always a little I mean, bit of it. I have had that happen. At the church. I mean, when I come from a small town, but the church has gotten big. Yeah. And I've been a member there. I've lived away, but I'm always been a member there. Come back. Yeah. And I've had that happen the last month or so when I was still going there. And I know these people. I see them. I usher. Yeah. And they come up to me and say, "Are you new in this church? I've never seen you before." And it's like I've been here for a few yeah. years. I, I know you, but it's so it, it kind of starts to feel a little disconnected. The other way. We're yeah. So I like. Um, I'm not sure we've met yet, and I apologize if we have and I forgot. That I'm, I like a safe uh, introduction. Yeah, kind of. Um, well, so just being a church in. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of visitors come. I mean, you get a lot of visitors more, maybe more so in the summer when they're. I mean, they're just here on vacation and they they come for one Sunday. This this is a crazy place in that sense. Um, my first year here, I didn't think much of it, and we had some family stuff, so I took off. I took the Fourth of July off that Sunday. Mm-hmm. I've never done that again. Um, our our biggest Sundays of the year, Christmas and Easter, which everyone would guess, Memorial Day and Fourth of July, which nobody would guess. And in other churches, that's, you know, throw a bomb in the building and don't hurt anyone. But here, we're because we have that. We have a gentleman who uh, who greets me every time he comes, which is once a year. And at the after church, he says, I'll see you second Sunday of August next year. And, it, it, and it's just... Uh, it, it's very different. Our numbers are actually, we do pretty well. I mean, we do okay in the winter, but with, you know, snowbirds and such, our, our, our worship numbers are actually probably a little higher in the summer, which again, when I, I talk to friends who pastor in other places, they're like, that can't be true. I'm like, no, it's, it's true. Now, it's not always our people, and one of the difficulties here is kind of figuring out what our people even means because um, we, get, you know, we get Presbyterians who are vacationing, or we just get people who are show up, and um, it's wonderful. It, 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 it adds some difficulties that we don't always know what to do with. But yeah, that's that's very much true. Um, to the size thing, just very quickly, the people who study churches group churches into three rough categories, um, not very creatively named: small churches, medium churches, and big churches. 
we fit in the category of what would be called a medium church. But the the transition, they say the transition that is most difficult for a church to make is from small to medium. Because a small church thinks of itself as a family, right? You kind of know everybody. A lot of times they've grown up together. They've been around each other a great deal. I knew your grandparents. And I, it, if you've been in one of those churches, you know. And and so the idea of connection, personal relational connection is extremely important. Um, when you get to the medium, when you get to a large church, let me skip medium. When you get to a large church, there's never the assumption that you'll know anybody. It, if you, if you've ever gone into a giant church, you just go that there's no way that happens. So they do small groups and life groups and those kind of things. That medium sized church, especially when a church started as a family church and goes to a medium church, which is called a program church. In other words, most people are attracted to something that the church is doing, whether it be worship or youth or kids or whatever. Um, that's really tough. And, and we lived through that here um, when we added the second service a few years ago and, and when we began to kind of feel like we were getting new people. I had a, a wonderful woman who's no longer with us. I mean, she passed away. Um, she did she didn't get mad and leave, but uh, <laughs> she came and she said, I, I, I don't like, I don't like not knowing everybody. Well, that's a comment from a family church because in a family church, that would feel terrible. Who are I in this church? That's not an expect, but she was mourning the idea that if we grew, she, she wouldn't have, because that's how she thought of church. And, so that transition from family church to medium-sized church is really is really tricky. You've got to work hard to find ways for people to connect relationally, but not with the assumption they could do that. And and the truth is, even a family church, not everybody knows. Every, I mean, you know names. It it's never exactly that. But I think in a larger church, like you said, you have to take responsibility for seeking out the things that you are interested in. Yeah. We're in a small church where we came from. It's like you're, you're, they you, assign you, you yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do it because there's just no way. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. And so your your things in the church, you're very involved in yeah. smaller <clears throat> church, I think, then I, I and don't have to take that responsibility of reaching out to other people because they're gonna reach out to you because they need right people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um you, you know, and again I would say that's one of the struggles of a family-sized church is, you. well, you mentioned it earlier, not to assault the new person with, hey, who are you and what do you want to do? <laughs> right? I mean, to, give, to, to give them. And welcome, yeah. It, yeah, it's nice to have a little buffer where you say, hey, settle in, and then let's talk about wh- what you what you what is important to you and how you can. Because we, we do think people ought to be active in their churches. I mean, that's whatever level of church. And, and at this point, I really believe – I suppose maybe somebody could argue me out of this, but I I really think it's the same thing, no matter what the size of the church. I think it's the same thing that makes it work. I think it's, it's warmth, it's welcome, it's worshiping well, it's connection. I, I think that three different sizes have to apply that differently, but it's the same. I, I believe it's the same experience that helps or hurts churches. If you go to a big church and you don't feel connected you won't go back. If you go to a medium church and you you feel, assault, you know, 
descended upon. You're not, it's just, um, I've told this story. I love this story. My wife and I, when I was a senior in seminary, I didn't serve, a, you could do a field ed churches. I had done a couple of those, had done an internship. So my senior year, I didn't serve a church. I, I thought, well, Jane and I, my wife, Jane, we're not going to go to church together for the next foreseeable future. So we, this year, we're going to go to church together. So we go to church, Louisville, Kentucky, go to a church. Nobody says a word to us. The person handing us our bulletin might have said good morning, but we sat in the pew. Nobody talked to us. Um, I think they did the shake hands thing. So yeah, they get you get good morning, but you have to do it then, right? So I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really full on count that. After church, we hung around a little bit. Nobody said a word. On uh, I think Tuesday or Thursday of that week, I get a letter from the church from the pastor who was trying really hard. It was great having you in church on Sunday. I'm like, hmm, that letter isn't going to undo what happened on Sunday, you know. Um, it, and I remember telling my wife, if they were glad that we were there, they hit it really well. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think, I, I, from a size perspective, I don't think, I think the same things really work or don't work in all those cases. Um, Anything else? Questions, thoughts, comments? I will say that um, before we came, you know, I, I caught you on the radio, and then I heard the um, video thing. Yeah. So you start watching that and just kind of get drawn in. Yeah. And drawn in, and drawn in. It's like, hey, I got to go check this out. The, those have been really interesting tools because they do allow people a safe Uh, Check you out ahead of time. Yeah, I, I, not safe in the sense. I mean, kind of a, kind of a, a risk-free way to interact with us before they show up here and say, "I don't know when to stand and when to sit, and I, I don't know what version of the Lord's Prayer they say, or if they, you know." It, so it allows. We've really. It's been interesting the ways in which those communication media have. Um. In some cases, brought people in. In some cases, created a category of people. It, it, it doesn't happen every week, but it happens often enough that I don't think about it anymore. Um, I, I've been here long enough that, you know, just in community, people maybe have seen me or know me, whatever. I, I'm not a celebrity, but um, I often go somewhere and meet someone and they'll say, oh, I listen, you know. And, and I've met people who say, I listen every week. And I say, why don't you come to church? Mm. But, but they consider themselves connected. Um, we had a very interesting experience in, in the post-COVID when things opened back up. This would have been probably 22, probably, it was probably last summer. We had a gentleman who vacationed with his family. They came to Triggs. He came to church that morning and was literally kind of overwhelmed. He said, I have been going to church with you all on my computer for a year, and I couldn't wait to get here. I, I, he said, I told my family, I don't care what else we do on vacation. I'm going to church that first press Sunday. He thought of this as his place, never seen him before, didn't know his name. We didn't even know what he was watching. You know, it, it's, it's, been a very, it's been a very interesting way to think about how do we connect people? Yeah, what is our community? Who is our community? It's no longer just a building. It's 
know. Yeah. Well, and to our conversation earlier, I would say it never should have been just a building to start with, but we like buildings. <laughs> we, I mean, this time of year. yeah, we like buildings. Buildings are good. I, I was, I was the same way. Excuse me, I was the same way. I, I listened to you on the radio for yeah. nine or ten years. I've probably told you that before. Yeah. In the summertime outside on a golf course, and it, you're in my church. So I got down and I sat down at something to drink, and I watched or listened on the radio and then online for nine or ten years. I feel like I've been a part of the church, so it's been awesome to finally get here. Well, and along that line, also as I'm retiring in five weeks, nice. and we're going to travel. Yeah. That we can still be connected even when we are out yeah. traveling for a month or something. Our winter folks have loved the online thing because if they're not with us, they feel like they're still connected, and we feel like we're still connected. Um, the radio thing has been so – I'm wrong about lots of things, but I was, I was so wrong about the radio. When I moved up here and they said we're on the radio, I laughed with friends. You know, I'm starting my media empire in a, <laughs> in a small place that nobody's ever heard of. I'm going to be on the radio, you know. KUO radio. Who I thought who again? Rarely, uh, more than a week or two go by without somebody saying, "Caught that on the radio." God, I I completely underestimated um, how much the radio is a part of people's background, and you know, yeah, they're they're church. They're people who go to church every. Sunday on the radio, and it's just, it's very interesting. What do we do with them? Who are they? Are they ours? Are they not? COVID brought a lot of those questions to the forefront in a way we hadn't really wrestled with before. Um, what else? Anything else? Maybe something will come up. Uh, the, the main thing I kind of wanted to go through with you today, I asked Michael if he thought it'd be all right. He said he thought it would work well. Um, as I mentioned, I've been here for a while. And so I thought I'd just kind of give you my sense of who First Presbyterian Church is, is and is trying to be. Um, from my perspective, these are things, and, you know, the risk is always that I'm not self-aware, I suppose. But um, these are things that I think, like to think we're doing well or putting effort into and some other things maybe I think we continue to struggle with and work on. Um I mentioned hospitality. I, I do think this church on the whole is generally pretty warm. We have a lot of people who I think make it a part of their mission to reach out to people. It's also a small enough community that typically people who show up are going to kind of know somebody. And our folks are, are pretty good, I think, on the most part. I, I Like I said, I rarely worry much that somebody's going to come in and, and leave and not going to have a warm experience with somebody. I'm, I'm sure it happens, and we hate that. But I think on the most, on, on the whole, I think that's something we do relatively well. Um, this church has a tremendous history of supporting mission. Um, about a third of our budget goes toward international and uh, national mission ministries. We have something like 29 or 27 mission partners that are all over the world that we support. Um, we've done a, for, for a church our size, I mean, and, and I didn't do this. This was already true when I arrived. For a church our size, we give an astounding 
amount of our of our budget toward things that don't happen here. And I really think that gives the church a kind of energy, kind of we have mission partners, people that we support and help with that are in Mexico and Hungary and you know, just literally all over the world and in Detroit and in wherever. And um, that, that really adds a nice flavor. But the downside of that, and I'll kind of jump into the other category, the downside of that is that we often, we've been pretty proud of ourselves for doing mission, but a lot of what we do isn't as hands-on as it could be. So we, we're, we're great at sending money, and we're, we're working to be great at also putting our, our time and our hands to work for those things as well, mission trips or local things. You know, in some ways, writing the check and mailing it is easier than giving a day to go make a difference somewhere. And we're not bad at that, but we're better at the other thing. So we're trying to trying to find a balance there. But but mission, historically, just the idea of mission and supporting people. This church in, in like I say, kind of the corner of nowhere from a global perspective has deep ties all over the world. And, I, and that's something I think that, you know, I'm proud of. Um, one of the other upsides of this church, you know, when I started interacting with this church, I wasn't ready to, I, I didn't think I was going anywhere. Um, this wasn't my plan. I was an associate pastor. I was doing youth ministry, loved it. Could have stayed there for a long time. Could have gone and done another thing. I thought maybe I'd settle down and try to pastor a church at some point, but it, it was not. It was the timeline was way off for me, but began interacting with this church, found out um, this congregation in the midst. My predecessor, uh, things didn't go well with the pastor before me, uh, about a nine month uh, arrangement. And six of those months were not good. Three were OK and six were bad. So it's just they came out of that having just started a building project. They had what well, in our in Presbyterian language we call an interim pastor. It's a pastor who goes to the church, but isn't a permanent pastor. They they they're in the gap between the last person and the new person. And when things end ugly with a pastor, that there's usually a time where the church is asked to sort of slow down and think things through. And so that was a four year period. And in a four year period under an interim pastor, they built this building with. Um, something like 75,000 hours of volunteer labor. Um, this church was largely built. L- literally, if you, I could go introduce you this morning to people who put these stones in place and who stained this wood and that kind of thing. And, and they did all that under an interim pastor and had paid a lot of it off. And it, you would have no reason to know this, but it doesn't happen. I mean, it's just not a, Part of it was they got backed into a bad situation where they had to, you know, figure it out. But part of it was hundreds of people just start giving their time and, and energy and effort. So I was attracted to that. And really, I, I found that to be true here. There's a I, I rarely feel like I have to twist arms. I have friends who are pastors. And I can't get anybody to do anything. COVID has COVID ruffled that a little bit. But um, pre-COVID, and it still remains largely true. Um, we just, if we put out that there's a need or an opportunity, 
most of the time it kind of takes care of itself. And it's one of the things I hate that part of pastoring. I don't like lassoing people and trying to drag them. So I've, I have very much appreciated the kind of willingness and an openness to give of the, of their time and, and talent here. We think it's kind of unusual that like your um, fellowship is, yeah. is isn't set. Like our, you like just, at our church, oh, it was like you, wanted, you, you signed for a month and you do that. that you did that month. And so when oh. we came here, you just say, oh, hey, if you want to bring so, some bars and stuff, I'm like, so you that just, works. I'm not kidding. That really works. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting because uh, my experience with that is I came, I came from a, uh, I came from a church that was very structured and, and pretty formal. So in our stewardship campaign, it was we get pledge, we set a budget, then we get pledges. Then if the pledges don't meet the budget, we try to trim the budget a little bit and we try to ask for more pledges. And we, just, you know, I, when I got here, I said, what do we do? I said, uh, we send an envelope and people write down what they think they'll give, but we don't open it. And I said, like, what? That's, your, that's our plan? And they said, yeah, that's, that's what we do. And uh, we, it, that's what we're still doing. And I love it. We don't have a stewardship campaign. I mean, we, we don't have, nobody looks at pledges. Nobody, you know, we, we talk about it. We, I mean, it's, it's important, but it, we don't spend dozens of hours pouring over. It kind it, it works out. Uh, we're it, we're right at four hundred four ninety nine five hundred. We're so I yeah four ninety. I mean not four ninety nine, but yeah high four hundreds, low five hundreds. Now, and that's uh, those are relatively. I, I would say you know, those are pretty clean rolls. Uh, at any given time, there's people who are coming in and going. You know, but we we go through those roles fairly regularly and. Try to make sure that we're relatively clean. Yeah, that's good incentive to clean the rolls. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which yeah. they, which we did. did. Yeah, I mean, they like to get people off that aren't comfortable. Yeah. Aren't yeah. Membership. Um, membership's a, a weird thing. It's been an important number. Churches are you know, kind of ingrained in what, how, what size is the church? I, I think the more compelling number is how many people show up on, I mean, participation number. And again, some of that's a little bit hard to know with the media stuff, but I, I, I think, I, I think what happens on Sunday morning is probably a better indication of how a church is doing than what number is on the rolls. Um, kids. Uh, we do. Kids have been important. Uh, when I moved here, there's a youth club program that's no longer happening. But we have a lot of people that put significant energy into our youth ministry and into our uh, young kids ministry. We great people working with that. Blessed by lots of teachers. You know, right next door to the school. And I not that I think that's more coincidence than anything. But a lot of teachers have found their way into the church, and they're really helpful in those places. Got a great group of young people. Uh, they're a ton of fun. We've had uh, Michael's done a lot of work in that area. Now, again, that's kind of moved over to my plate, having a ball with those kids. And so uh, there's room to grow, obviously, but it's been important to us as it is to most churches. Um, And then I think the last thing I would say, 
and part of it's this region. I found this region to be pretty open. Um, we have a lot of strong churches in the area. Um, but one of the things I think that I appreciate about this place is we are always grateful when somebody feels like this will be the church home. But one of the things I've generally said to this group is we, we promise we won't, we won't breathe down your neck. We, I mean, we're not, there are people that have been here longer than I have and they're not members. They, this is their church, but my grandma's a Catholic, and it'll kill her if I switch, you know. <laughs> then don't. Then show up and be a part, you know. We don't, it, we just don't get hung up on that kind of stuff. If 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 this feels like a place you want to sign on to, we're, we're excited about that. If it just feels like a place you want to bring your family, that's not a lesser, you know, let's just be the church. And the membership stuff we have to do, because it's part of how we handle things, um, we get a report and we make payments and stuff based on that, but it's not really what we're about. And I, I think this church does that. I've had conversations with people and it's nice to live in an area where I can say, you know, I know the pastors of the other churches. And they say, I'm a lot more, I want to raise my hands and shout. Well, yeah, not here probably, <laughs> but, but let me point you toward a place where they do that. And I know there are good people there. And, I, I think we've been, for the most part, pretty good about believing that we want people to find the right, the place that's right for them, not just, not just our place. Um, and I think several of the churches in the area are, would honestly be able to say the same thing. And that's, that's, a, really, that's a really good deal. I um, want to be conscious of time, so just very quick, a uh, couple of growing edges. Um, we don't do part of this is reflect a little bit of this is reflective of our area. I don't want to use that as an excuse. A little bit of this is reflective as Presbyterians because it's a struggle across our denomination. We're not great with young singles. When the when the twenty five year old shows up that's not married and says, What what do you have for me? We, we try. We just have not had We've not had a large group in our population and certainly within our church population. So college ministry and young adult ministry is, it's a struggle for us. I would, it's not something we're doing particularly well, um, mostly on the sense of not really doing it at all. Don't have, we don't have those people here. Um, We, I want to be careful with this because, again, I, I don't want to cast any blame. But the denomination that a church belongs to is always going to be a help with some people and a hindrance with other people. Um, I, I generally consider being Presbyterian a blessing. I, I'm deeply Presbyterian in my understanding of the faith, in my theology. I, I do think Presbyterians are well-suited to the era in which we live, though ironically we're not doing well. Having said that, the Presbyterian Church makes the news on a somewhat regular basis, and it's never things that I'm for things I'm happy about. Um, whenever we make the news, I know somebody's going to be in my office saying the Presbyterians did what? And I, you know, so um, our denominational thing, you know, we're just not in an era where people think big 
picture and allegiances. Not only that, but it's a very interesting time um, in the last, hmm, let's call it 10 years. It's probably been not that long, but in, in the last decade or so, and, and you've probably had a similar experience in some other organization. People are, there's, there's a little bit more, yeah, I'll be careful, Clint. There's, uh, people are a little quicker to be upset about things. There's a little bit more division. There's a little bit more, it, it, it just, it's, it feels like a volatile time. And so it, it's been a struggle for churches, I think, to say, it's okay if we have people who don't agree on everything and don't see everything the same way. Um, it's been, it, it, there's been, it's been, I, we've done okay, but I, I have friends out in the past who just, they feel like this is a really tense time that people are just kind of wound up and I can see some of that. Um, it, yeah. There's a lot of if I don't like it, I'm going to attack it right now. And I, some of that social media, some of that's just we, we just see a lot of that day in and day out. And it's not a very helpful practice in church. So I, I would say, you know, one of our struggles is to kind of navigate that in a way that allows room for everybody and allows relationships to form when you may not agree on it, that's okay. Some things we have to agree on. Other things, doesn't matter. Healthy. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or to know what we can, to know what it's okay to disagree about, right? I mean, there, there are some things in church where we, we say, no, this is, I mean, this is really fundamental to who we are, but there are these other things we it's okay. We have different opinions, and we can we can argue about them or discuss them, but they shouldn't we shouldn't drive anybody out. I mean, it's one of the few places. Church is one of the few places right now where you're going to get and and I I don't use these labels politically. Just I just use them because they're the big. You're going to have. I, I am struck almost every Sunday when I look out and I see. Uh, this kind of Republican and this kind of Democrat sitting next to each other in church and this kind of quote unquote conservative. And I hate those words and this quote unquote liberal and, and, and they're in church together. And you, I like, you know, and I think where, where else does that happen? I mean, because it, it, and, and that's a good thing. I, I, I believe it's a good thing. It's just not always an easy thing. It's, you know, it's hard enough to do that at your Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> now you're trying to do it in your church. That's well, one of my best friends. Moments. One of my best friends is a blue blood Democrat, and I'm certainly not. Yeah, and uh, we just don't talk politics. Yeah, that's some of it. Because we're because we're friends. Friendships, and I, I, there's people in politics that ruin friendships and families. You know. Yeah. yeah. So what what we've tried to and not you know what we try to remind ourselves frequently is it is not our opinions that connect us as family it's the cross and whatever else you are 
if you are a follower of Jesus, that has to take precedence for all of us. And so, um, and, but, but that's not, that's not always easy. So, um, I'd say a lot of that, that's a significant struggle of church right now. Um, I mentioned the hands-on mission stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we have a lot of good people here. That's, that's the heart of it, I think. Michael's been with us almost 10 years, which is uh, very unusual for an associate pastor, so that he and I have gotten to work for 10 years. He's been a blessing to the church. He brought such a, a skill set and a concern for technology. That's, he, he really, we've been able to turn him loose in a lot of those areas, and it's been a great benefit. Um, Can I say, during COVID, yeah. Without members. Yeah. That was such an advantage, I thought, for me, because I really, truly got to see both of your personalities yeah. come out where on a Sunday we don't always get to see that because yeah. you guys are busy and doing yeah. stuff and getting ready for church. I just thought that was such a great advantage. Yeah, we're we're I we're good friends, we're good coworkers, we're we're very different. <laughs> but but I mean I, I good, yeah. yeah, I just I mean our backgrounds are different, our our skill our skill sets are different our interests are different but they overlap really well and yeah it's it's been a pleasure to work with michael you know covid i i have to be careful saying this because i it i said this to a group of pastors recently and i felt like some of them maybe want to throw things at me um covid from the church perspective there was an aspect of that that was a lot of fun and, and what I mean is that in the church, you know, you're often thinking, okay, it'd be nice to try this, but I gotta, we gotta ease our way. Well, COVID just said, everything you did last week, you're not doing that next week. So figure it out. And you don't get that, you don't get that kind of blank slate very often in church to just say, let's start throwing stuff at the wall and yeah. see if any of it yeah. sticks. And so it was. There was a lot of fun. There was a lot of creativity. It was, I mean, it was a challenge, but I, I just have not had a, a period in my ministry where I felt like just open the gate and go do whatever you can can do. And that part of it was that part of it was, was really actually kind of enjoyable. Um, it, it truly was. I mean, just some of the stuff just to see in the settings. Yeah. So we had, I don't know if any of you all have met the Dow family, uh, Dave and Nancy Dow. They've got four kids. One of their, one of their kids, Drew, the oldest, is uh, he does a lot of these drone shots. Maybe you see if you're on Facebook, Drew does a beautiful job with that. And then their daughter, Emma, is a graphic design person. And so when we found out we were going to all online church, we just said right away, let's talk to people who do the, let's, let's talk to media people. And Emma came and, and met with us, and she, uh, again, this is wonderful. I think I know stuff, and then I find out I don't know anything. <laughs> um, Emma said, well, if we're going to do this, let's use the whole building. Let's not just go, because I, I told her, Emma, I don't want to be a talking head in the pulpit. I want it. But then she said, well, let's, let's not even, let's get out of the pulpit. Let's use the whole building. Let's go outside. Let's, and I was like, nah. <laughs> and she was 100% right. She was 
percent right. P- part of that was at the time I was saying it, I thought we were doing it for three weeks, not thirty nine weeks or whatever, you know. So, but she was she was right. She was such a blessing and a help at that time. But those were two church kids that led us through COVID, helped us figure out sound and visual and audio. It's just so exciting because they got a chance to take the lead and to, to sort of help guide us along. And so um, I better stop, uh, but thank you for your time. If you ever have questions, if there's ever thoughts, comments, if you ever, you know, if there are things that come up and you think, why do they do that or what? Please come and talk to us. We'd be happy to try and answer questions. So uh, thank you for your time. Right. Thanks for interacting with First Press, and we're grateful for you guys.